G'day guys, how are we all? Uh, we are back again. Uh, of course, you have myself, Josh, and my lovely co-host, Dane. Dane, how's it going? What's news? Yeah, not too bad on my end, Josh. What about you? Yeah, yeah, it's a bit full on at the moment. I uh, hear you've had some babies uh, born since the last time we spoke on this platform, Dane. What's news? Yeah, yeah, so we had a, a small litter of pink tongue skinks which actually funny story about that, if you want to get into that after, uh, which I've got seven. Uh, they're yeah. all doing good. Uh, the female was quite small and it's her first that off. So, yeah, small batch of babies is expected. And then I've got, I had a, that was probably about three, four weeks ago. Yep. And then I had a litter of five Eastern water skinks, which was about, which is uh, two weeks ago. Now, yeah, lovely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which it's, everything's doing fine. Yeah, good. that's good. It's always good when you start hearing the little pitter-patter of feet going around, you know? Yeah, that's it. Much craved. Yeah, that's it's it. It's nice that's to have it. some babies. Absolutely. And uh, I came home today from a busy day at work, which we'll get into in a minute, um, and found 11 little baby northern blueies in uh, my female uh, Tunnel Creek locality, uh, her enclosure. So she was bred by uh, Mick Mather and... Um, I bred her to a double head T positive white from Joe Ball. So technically they're like 50% possible head for each trait or 25% possible head for both traits, something along those lines. Um, but to me, they're just cool looking critters, to be honest. Um, I'll probably yeah, end up it. probably end up taking some into work and then they can have a couple for their displays for the kids. And I've got some demonstrator friends that want a couple as well. So they'll probably, most of them will probably go to things like that. And your first time, keeper as well you know things like that i've got spare tanks set up ready to go for you know if it's if it's a, a first person uh, you know a first reptile experience uh, which is kind of what our topic for today will be but we'll get into that a little bit later on um i just thought i would add uh i mentioned about work um i'm now <laughs> working for the school that i just graduated from so yes i am done year 12 is over woo woo happy days um <laughs> So I went from uh, student to staff in 12 hours and uh, am now running their reptile collection, which has been an awesome experience. I love being able to go into classrooms and give kids a, an animal talk for, you know, 15, 20 minutes or whatever it is, um, and then have that interaction as well. Um, now, of course, I did have the very fortunate opportunity to chat with Luke and Jason at the uh, Australian Herpetoculture Podcast. I really appreciate that opportunity with those guys. They're an awesome bunch. Um, and appreciate uh, Eric and Owen and the NPR crew as well for putting all of those podcasts together. Uh, definitely give all of the NPR network a check out if you haven't already. I don't know what rock you're living under, but definitely get behind it. Um, what else is news, Dane? What else is going on? I'm just trying to think if there's anything else that we need to talk about. I don't know, Josh. Uh, yeah, but definitely go check out that podcast. Uh, it, it's definitely worth listening to if you want to keep up to date with what Josh is doing with his Murray Darlings. Uh, it's quite interesting stuff, actually. And he's very well-spoken for someone his age. So. Oh, shucks. <laughs> no. That was the other thing, actually. So last night, Dane and I both attended the Victorian Herpetological Society meeting uh, where we had... Uh, Jake Many from the Australian Reptile Park come down and do uh, two separate talks, one about his experiences herping in Arizona and Tucson uh, and uh, zoo experiences in uh, the US. 
and the other talk about breeding and I suppose the reproductive cycles of Komodo dragons. Both talks were fantastic. Uh, if you weren't there, you really missed out on a good one. Um, definitely, if you haven't already, feel free to check out Jake's stuff. Uh, he does lots of photography and has featured on different podcasts as well with different experiences that he's done. The work that he is doing and his team over at ARP is just fantastic with all of the animals down there. Um, I know from firsthand experience that I've been down there when Jake takes those Komodos for a walk and it is something special. It's, it's quite an experience. Um, so definitely check it out as well. Uh, the VHS were fortunate enough to have the guys over at Mini Beasts come down for the day um, and do some uh, giveaway or auction items and uh, pass out some free samples of some a new product, uh, freeze-dried insects, uh, both in a whole form and in a powder form. And I actually chested some of that out today. And I must say, between the King Skinks, the Centralian Blueies, and the Baby Blueies that I just had today, Oh, they love it. It's like crack to them. Honestly, they're all over oh, it. Um, I'm really impressed. Really impressed. Like even your king skinks, which you would think would be more like based on visuals, they smashed the bugs. Like I was really impressed. The The powder I mixed in with uh, a bit of beef mince and some egg for the baby Louise and for the mum who'd just given birth, uh, just to give a bit of extra protein. And that worked really well too. So highly recommend those products. Definitely give them a check out. Um, and for those who did grab some on the night, just remember to send your feedback into Mini Beasts because they are after some feedback about how successful those products are. So I will certainly be passing on that information to them because it's quite an exciting product, I must say. Um, I think so I, we'll... I also was able to. Um, I was, yeah. Sorry, I was also no, able to good. snag some last night. I did test it out today as well. Uh, I found with my blue tongues and deities, they didn't. I only really tested the whole. Dry, uh, freeze dried mm -hmm. insects. Yeah, they didn't really take to them like at all. Uh, I don't know if that's just my lizards being picky. Yeah, but I'll continue to push it, see how they go. Yeah, uh, I reckon <laughs> if if you're gonna have so any luck with anything, my end. if you're gonna yeah. have any luck with anything, I reckon your centralian will give it a good whack. Yeah, um, he, he didn't smash his food too. Um, he didn't really hoe into it a whole lot. So okay, we'll see. I suppose you can, the good thing about the way that they are made is that you can always mix them into whatever you're normally feeding them, whether that's like a dog food or, as I said, a beef mince or whatever it is. Um, it's really versatile in that sense, particularly that powder. I reckon that's going to be a bit of a game changer, to be honest, because that's a very high protein content and a great way to get sort of that insect-based product into your animal's diets as well. Um, yeah, the the bugs, the whole bugs... Um, I found, well, we're, fortunately with my Centralians, they just eat whatever goes in their food bowl and don't give it another look. Um, I could put literally anything in there and they're going to smash it. Um, so they're fairly easy. I reckon your Western would probably give it a good whack too. Did you try any with him? Yeah, yeah, I did, I did give um, everyone some of the whole bugs. I haven't tried the yep. powder yet. Yep. But yep. Uh, so far, no one really seemed interested in it. But that might just be a thing of them being spoiled with too much uh, dog food. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I'll I said, continue to push it, see if it changes. Yeah, but. worst case, you can always mix it through. Uh, like if they get a bit of a crunch in their diet, I suppose that's always a good thing too. Yeah, that's it. Hey, but uh, I reckon that's we'll see. yeah, I reckon that's about it for our introductions uh, and what we're up to nowadays. Um, I'm still waiting on a few more bluey litters and a carpet python clutch to hopefully pop out fairly soon, and a few other bits and pieces. Dane's just waiting on all the pit critters to do his do their thing. Um, yep. So that's about it for us. Now, the topic of discussion for today is a, a, 
of course, naturally, we don't shy away from the controversial topics here. Never, 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 never. Uh, we've picked another one today. Uh, we're talking about the concept of like Christmas and birthday present animals and how that can be both a good thing and a bad thing, depending on the individual case. Um, so this will be an interesting discussion point. Uh, I know for myself, um, over the last couple of days and the last couple of weeks, I've been doing animal talks for uh, different classrooms um, at my school or work as well. Um, and I've had quite a few people ask me questions about, you know, oh, what do they like to look after? I'd like one for Christmas, something like that sort of thing. Now, I must say I am quite uh, proud of those kids who have asked those sorts of questions because I always rate anyone who can go out of their way to ask questions about how to look after something or what they, what somebody who's, I suppose, semi in the know, um, you know, would suggest or something along those lines. So I always highly enjoy having those sorts of conversations, but um, that side of things can often be a detriment as well. And I have previously worked in um, the retail side of things in uh, different uh, pet stores in a pet store um, at this time of year, which can always be a bit of a challenge as well, balancing everything up. Um, but anyway, uh, Dane, what do you think your take on this whole idea is? Do you think it's, you know, is there, is there a fine line? Is it a good or a bad? What do you, what do you reckon? Um, honestly, I can see, obviously, in the retail side of things, it is a, a big selling point, uh, more impulsive buyers, especially for gifts for small yep. children. Yeah, but definitely. You do see on uh, like local selling sites like Gumtree and stuff, you always end up seeing those 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 same pets six months later selling due to daughter, son lost interest. Mm. And it's just I just don't think people remember the fact that these are living, breathing creatures. Mm. Uh, and you know, like a cat or a dog would be, and people still miss the mark with those. Um, mm, yeah, yeah. That, like, you know, that that is a part of your family when it does come in, mm. depending on how you do view your reptiles. But they are a massive commitment, more so than a dog or a cat, just for the fact of their long lifespan as well. Yeah, yeah. And they have got their special requirements, which can often be overlooked. This is where you get your problems with, you know, uh, metabolic metabolic bone disease and because of incorrect lighting yeah uh, not enough research into husbandry you know these are specialty specialty animals yeah they i suppose they're te technically considered exotic in the sense of veterinary care as well yeah correct and you can't just go to any plain old vet with a lizard too you know mm. um they're probably gonna look at it and laugh honestly because they're gonna have no idea yeah it is well, so different from a cat or a dog yeah i think even even like on a, on a more open level, I suppose, um, sort of that pop culture has always spoken about the dog or the cat for a birthday or a Christmas present. And it's sort of spread onto other animals as well. Um, and I suppose yeah. the one sort of detriment to the whole concept here is the element of surprise um, that a parent or uh, an auntie or uncle, whatever it may be, might, you know, might have that experience where it's a surprising the child with X or surprising the child with Y, whatever it is. Um, I think that in itself probably causes a bit of detriment because 
um, in the end of the day, if you're going to keep an animal, you want it to be one that I suppose you've picked, if that makes sense, like one that you know you want um, yeah. rather than just here's an animal, have fun. Um, but, yeah, I suppose that's that whole who's doing the research and has there been enough looking into it. It's highly circumstantial, this issue, realistically. It depends on the individual person, the family, the places they're going to to purchase these things, the whole nine yards. Researching, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. exactly. It's it's highly individual in that sense um, and circumstantial. So I know from like the retail side of things, shops are always going to push Christmas sales, whether that's on livestock or on the bits and pieces to look after them. That's always going to be the case because that's when you can bump up your margins and make more profits, that sort of thing. Um, but I think that's both a good thing and a bad thing. Obviously, it's great for the shop um, and we need as many reptile stores as we can get, at least high quality ones. Hopefully, we can have some more over the next couple of years down here. That would be great. Um, so I understand that side of things, but it can also often be a detriment to the animals. In particular, I would say from my experience, the worst ones are the ones that don't require a license because there's yeah. no waiting time involved. There's no yeah, there's second no guess. Buffer, hey. Yeah, at least with the license, like when I used to be at the, 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 the pet store, you'd have the, oh, but this is on license and you have to apply for that and wait for the license to come in. And then sort of some people would almost second guess themselves about it. Like, yeah. oh, that's a big commitment sort of thing. Um, yeah. Compared to, I think one of the worst cases, one of the most poorly treated species or groups of animals that I've seen in Victoria at least, is your Mo River and Eastern Longneck turtles because they are yeah. off license and they're, when they're babies, they are very cheap. Most shops sell them for sub $150, just the turtle. Um, evidently, of course, the tanks are going to be a, a lot more pricey. That's natural. That's how that goes. But the disconnect, I think, with a lot of, or at least with some shops, is the it looks the size of a 50, 50 cent piece now. Give it 5, 10, 15, 20, 40, 60 years, and it will be every bit of a dinner plate, if not more. And <laughs> where are you going to put that? Because you're buying a two foot tank now that'll last you two oh, months at most. Oh, but Josh, they're not going to keep it that long. <laughs> no, you know what? And that's how places like the, the place that I'm working for end up with a lot of the big turtles that we have. Um, yep. And you know what? There's only very limited space that people can provide for so many because the thing with turtles, at least in Victoria, is each store or most stores get them from largely the same couple of, you know, same few suppliers, right? Which means that they almost always have them in stock and in large numbers. Oh. Most stores you'll find will have at least 10, 15, 20 turtles in stock at a time. But how many of those do you see get to adulthood? I don't know. Personally, I have no idea. You don't really see many adults around, period. Well, you know what you do see, Dane? You always see the ones that are about the size of, a, let's say, like a, like a, a coffee or a tea plate, if that makes sense. Like a, like a saucer. Yeah. That's the one. That's that sort of size where it's the, oh, it's getting too big for my house. What do I do now? Fortunately, 
for some of these animals that are quite large, we do have Turtle Rescue Victoria, I think it is. Something along those lines. There's people that take in turtles um, that get too big for private keepers, which is a fantastic, you know, that's, I commend those guys that do that because that's a hell of a lot of work upkeeping that many turtles. Um, but yeah, I think your turtles, your blueies um, are probably the main ones that get the, the short end of the stick in that case. Because yeah. as, as we said before, there's not that buffer of like, oh, I actually need to like do things. Um, but yeah, again, it's that whole, the, 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 the problem with this issue is that it, as we said before, it really is dependent on the individual person and what they have put into it. Um, but I really, I suppose my main gripe with it is, as you said before, the, you know, six months later, oh, um, kid's not interested anymore. Got to move him on. Sorry, basically. Um, these things can live upwards of 20 years, depending on the species, even over 60. Um, you've got to keep that in mind, basically. Um, you've got to keep in mind that the animal's longevity um, and even like it's the same thing with, you know, things like your cockatoos and some of your other bird species that can out that outlive most of their owners. And, you know, you've got to start thinking, OK, I'm writing that into my will. Who's going to go and look after that once I'm gone? Things like your Murray River turtles in particular can live for a hell of a long time if kept right. That's something that you might need to write into your will to your kids. And even then, yes, that is true. whether they're going to take it on or not. Oh, that depends, doesn't it? It's that yeah, fine. It's a really fine line. That part. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I know for for me when we were in when I was working for the store, um, turtles are really popular because they're that fifty cent piece size. They're really cute. They're really friendly. But there's not many customers that come back years later and show us for you know would show us photos of the bigger animals, if that makes sense. Yeah, and that is quite unfortunate. Mm, it's sort of the same thing with, like, guys in the States talk about mainland retics and how, you know, you have 60 egg clutches, but how many adult retics do you see around? Um, it's that whole, I suppose, you could even say probably the same thing for some some of the bigger snakes down here too. Like, out of the amounts that are bred every year, how many make it to adulthood? I don't know. I don't know those statistics, um, to be honest, but it would be an interesting study for someone uh, absolutely to go down that path. But yeah, I suppose the main sort of draw card with the whole like Christmas, birthday, whatever it may be, um, present side of things, more than anything is this, um, I suppose disposable is a really bad way of putting it, like a really negative spin on it, but that's kind of what it is. Um yeah. This disposable pet, I suppose, um, which, yeah, really does a detriment to the animal potentially uh, in most cases, I would say. Uh, although that is, as per usual, we are always generalizing here. Um, so if we do offend, sorry, uh, <laughs> we don't mean to, but it happens. Um Sometimes people have to be offended, Josh, because otherwise you know, they're not going to get the memo. <laughs> that's that's fair enough too. Um, feel free to, 
for those listening to our rambling, feel free to write us a message or put on a comment to the post. Um, let us know what your opinions are on this topic. Um, it's an interesting one. And it certainly raises a lot of questions morally and ethically uh, for both the yeah. seller and the buyer. Um, another one, actually, this is going to sound really obscure, but let's go with this anyway. Um, you know, some families like to put their pets inside like a box for the kids to unwrap. Yeah, yeah. I have seen a couple of videos of that. that I don't know how good that is of an idea. And stuff. Yeah, I feel like there's a bit of consideration that needs to be involved there about that kind of concept. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't really seen anything tightly wrapped. It's more just, uh, you know, there's a box that's like loosely kind of uh, over and there's like a little puppy in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess it comes down to, it depends on, you know, how long what, is that dog in what, the box for? Yeah, you know? and what the animal is too, probably. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't seen it per se with reptiles. I've seen them, you know, with enclosures set up and then there's a mm. big bow on it. Yeah. But... Yeah, that's probably a good way yeah. of doing it. I have heard some parents that like try and hide it. I really don't. I have no idea how you'd go about hiding something like a four foot tank and a, and a bearded dragon or a blue tongue or something like that. Like all power to you if you can manage that. Your kids must be blind or something, honestly. Um, I mean, that's a, fa- that's a fair quiet. effort. They don't make any noise. Yeah, I know. But yeah. like, you're not going to miss a big tank coming into your house, are you? Unless it's a school day. Oh, uh, yeah. Good point. There's probably ways around it, but yeah, fair play to you if you manage to hide something like that from a, a significant other or a child or whatever it may be. Well done. Um, good luck. Hope yeah, that works out casual, well for you. Uh, red belly under the bed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, things like that too. But that's that's a whole nother story for another day, that side of things too. But um, yeah, look, I think that sort of covers that issue. I suppose it's, it's, again, it's one of those ones that's really dependent. Again, as we keep going back to, it's that whole individual element to it, um, which can really shape the response, I suppose, and the reaction of both kept and keeper. Um, but I think the important thing to keep in mind is, as we said before, the longevity of the animal and doing your research. As always, we keep coming back to the doing your research um, you know, line of thinking that's by far the most important thing. You know, feel free to talk to as many people as you can, even if it's a carbon copy message and you just change the name or whatever, just send out as much information, you know, as much questions as you can to as many people as you can, whether that be on a public forum or individually private messaging, that's up to you. Um, And honestly, get your hands on some good books. If you want Christmas presents for people, get yourself a good book to read. You can't go wrong there. Maybe even two or three or four, all of the same topic. I don't know. Cross-reference. You know, there's there's other things, I suppose, that you can do instead of the animal, per se. Um, but I do understand yeah. why people do it. Completely understand that. Um, would I go out of my way to do something like that? Probably not. Um, I have had one person who wanted to surprise their kids with uh, an animal. And I was uh, happy to accommodate that for them because I knew full well that they had the setup already and had had experience with the species already as well. Um, so I suppose it's, it's, again, it's that sort of vetting by the seller as well is another reoccurring thing that we go back to too. 
Um, same sort of deal, really. It's just all about considering the animal, its now and its future, uh, and who's going to keep it now and future, who's going to look after it, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think the issue here about, you know, uh, animals as presents really shouldn't be a problem. As long as so people... How... Yeah, go on, go on. So, Josh, from a uh, retail perspective, yep. how do you think you could prevent such purchases from happening? Yep, okay. Do um, you feel like there should be more of more animals put on license? As you did say before, that was quite a big barrier for some people being like, oh, yep. wow, this is a serious thing. This is an actual animal. I have to pay extra to keep this animal. And they kind of think it through again. Yeah. You yep. know, whereas, um, sorry, like a blue tongue or... Uh, as you said, turtle down here, it's just mm. a pay, have the enclosure, it's yours. Yep. Kind yep. Of thing. Um, I would say there's a few different ways that you can go about it. I think personally, I think nothing should be off license, to be honest, um, because okay. I think that is uh, a long-term barrier to people that just want a disposable animal. Um yeah. You know, you've got your fish and your exotic birds and like scorpions and arachnids and all that sort of stuff. That's that's all fine to be off license. But I think your at the very least native reptiles should all be on license, like other states. Um, I just think that puts in a barrier in the longer term. Yeah, okay. But as far as solutions now. I think in all honesty, it is entirely on the retail staff um, and to be completely upfront and honest about everything to do with said animal before make almost like in the end of the day, retail is making someone commit to something that they probably yes. don't need. Realistically, that is the point of retail anywhere across the retail sector, whether you're working at Myers, Coles, Woolies or a pet store, it's the same thing. Um, so I think you've got to be, it's, it's all about the, the individual person that's the, that's the seller, I suppose, if you will, um, it's on them to take as much responsibility as they can. I know for me personally, there were times in my two year career doing retail that I basically refused people buying things, um, yep. or at least turned them away from very specific animals because I knew that wasn't going to end well. Um, and I think although that may be an uncommon experience in some parts of the pet store world, again, generalization, and there's a lot of good ones. There's a lot of really bad ones. There's a lot in between. Um, but I think, yeah, as I said, it's really on, at least for the time being, while we have the regulations that we have, it's really on, the person selling it to be as honest and upfront as possible about everything to do with the animal and the associated bits and pieces to go with it and how it all works long-term. Um, yep. But I think, I suppose it's also on the customer too, to do their research and that sort of thing. But even then that's only so much, so much of a deterrent. Um, but yeah, I think, Long term, I'd like to see things go back on license, although I don't think it will ever happen because we're too far gone from that point nowadays. Um, 
But yeah, in the short term, I think it's on the person selling it to take responsibility for that animal's life. Because realistically, that animal's life is in your hands. Even when you sell it to somebody, really? even when you sell it to somebody, they yeah. have to know yeah. all the do's and don'ts. If they don't, it's on you. I suppose it'd be the same as them having to be educated on the husbandry to answer, you know, basic questions. Exactly, exactly. You know, it's I, just taking up a more moral. Um, it's that moral ethical compass yeah. positioning. Um, Is that I, the dollar sign. That's yeah, it. yeah, yeah, exactly. I was always of the opinion that if there was a species or something that I didn't know, and I knew that somebody else did, I would go and get that person instead of trying to bullshit someone. Um. I, I have heard some people who do the opposite to what I used to do in that sense um, and or would suggest products purely for a marketing perspective, not what the animal actually needs. Um, that's not for me. There's a reason why I don't work in retail anymore um, and don't, don't particularly want to go back into that sector. Um, but it's... Yeah, I suppose that's that's the crux of it, really, isn't it? It's it's on both parties to have some idea of what's going on and to take responsibility for the actions that affect that animal's life. I reckon. I do agree with that. At the end of the day, I suppose it's like anything, though. Really, when it comes to getting animals, that's that's really the the end goal. Hypothetically, is everybody being informed about what's going on and everybody knowing what the deal is with said yeah, and animal. At the end of the day, it's all for the benefit of the animal. That's it. So. That's it. Um, one thing that I did find interesting, um, sometimes you'd have people that would come in who probably weren't in the best financial situation and would try and get smaller setups for like a time being thing. Um, oh, yeah. The budget. Yeah, and of course that can arise a whole nother set of issues and consequences there of that type of a sale or that type of a product, whatever it may be, um, which is also something to consider. You know, people, if you're listening and you your kid really wants an animal, but you're you know, not in the best financial spot, I probably wouldn't suggest going down that route. Um, maybe try and find other ways of having that same interaction, whether that's doing an experience at like a zoo or if it's going and seeing somebody that you know that has animals, um, you know, whatever it may be, just it's better not, you know, animals are one of those things that you can't cheap out on. Um, you've got to go the full nine yards. Otherwise, you're, you know, you're causing a detriment to that thing that depends entirely on you for its life. Um, it's just like a child. You can't skip out on it. Um, same sort of deal. Um, and the other thing too, actually, one problem that does sometimes occur with these sort of, dare I say, throwaway animals is the dumping situation as well. Ah, um, uh, yeah. If they don't sell it, they dump it somewhere. Yeah, and that in itself... That's very common with turtles. Yes. Actually, in, yes. In that's why they've turned up in a lot of places they're not supposed to. Same with yes, water dragons, actually. There's water, a few water dragon populations in spots that they're not supposed to be too, or at least the eastern 
yippy hybridized populations that are straight from captivity originally. Um, that is in itself is a whole nother problem of biosecurity risk and, you know, everything that goes with releasing pet animals, whether or not they can hunt, find food, whether or not they can find shelter, you know, whether their natural instincts are still strong enough. We hope for the best. <laughs> um, yeah, don't go down that true. route. Don't do that. Um, even if, you know, worst case, you have to send like the zoo an email and go, look, I have this animal. Um, I can't keep it anymore. What do you suggest? Or actually, if you're in Victoria, check out the Homeless Herps Society, uh, Homeless Herps Facebook page. Uh, that's run by the guys down at the Unusual Pet Vets. Um, and they take in that sort of situational animal. Um, so have contact with those guys down there and they will get it all sorted hopefully as well um yeah that's correct there's always rescue groups around you know yeah, there are exactly. people willing to take animals uh, there is also a lot of advertisements on gumtree of people saying they will take in animals unwanted animals oh uh, you know also that that is a whole nother topic there that we're going to yeah, save for another day that idea as well um that does come with its pros and cons. Uh, Absolutely, it cons. does. Absolutely, There's also people does. that take advantage of that, but yeah, for another you've day, to, definitely. You've got to vet who you're selling things to. That's the crux of this entire topic is vetting who you're buying from and who you're selling to, essentially, um, and being consistent, I suppose, with that too. Um, otherwise, I think that just about does this topic, to be honest. Um if, as I said before, if anybody has any comments, questions, or uh, wants to send us a message, feel free to about you know this topic or one of the other ones that you've heard. Um, absolutely happy to have a chat to anybody um, about it, and would love to hear different perspectives as well. Um, evidently, both Dane and I seem to have fairly similar opinions on a lot of things. Um, so, if anybody has any differing views, happy to hear it. Absolutely. Um, but I think that will just about do us for this episode, Dane. Uh, where can people find you and all of your animal shenanigans? So you can find me at Blue Horizon Reptiles on Facebook and Instagram. And I post regularly of my collection and more as of recently, all the babies and how they're doing. Yeah, we love to see those baby photos, mate. Everybody loves to see the baby photos. That's always a good one. And you can find Joshua at... Oh, yes. Uh, you can find me at Josh's Aussie Reptiles, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and just about everything else. If you search it up, it'll come up with something. Uh, there is a website as well where I do, I do try and keep that up to date um, with pairings. Uh, currently, I need to update it with baby photos now too. Um, feel free to, if you're interested in either or any of the animals that uh, myself and Dane have spoken about in our breeding breeding adventures. Um, also, feel free to message us about those and we can have a chat too. Um, between Dane's yeah, pink definitely. tongues, his water, uh, water skinks and all of his blotchies outside um, and myself and all the critters here, um, feel free to, if you're interested in anything that we have spoken about previously, feel free to send us a message and we can have a chat. Alrighty. Um, hope everybody is well. Now, this may be our like Christmas show kind of sort of 
or it will be the one before our Christmas show. So if it is not our Christmas show, or if it is, sorry, if it is our Christmas show, everybody have a great Christmas um, and a good summer and a break and everything like that. Um, hopefully the world stays open like it is now and we can have a whole lot of fun this summer. Um, but, uh, and have a good new year as well, everybody. Um, although I do think we may have, if I time it right, I think we'll have a show that comes out either on Christmas or Boxing Day, potentially something like that. Um, but that's all right. You'll 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 see when they come out. You'll know. <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll figure it out. That's it. All right. I uh, hope you've all enjoyed um, and have a good one. And we'll see you on the next one. Adios. Bye.